Thank you to our worship team for leading us so powerfully today. Here's the question. What does it mean to have a friend? What does it mean? The second question, more important. What does it mean to be a friend? I read an article recently of what it means not to be a friend. Some time back there was some flooding on the Mississippi River. One of the gentlemen that owned a business that supplied rental equipment that was used during the floods was a man named Rusty Matthias Meyer. He said, Old Man River just keeps rolling in the profits. I like the flood. He said, we've got more business than we can shake a stick at. And when questioned about the fact that he had raised his prices dramatically during the flood, he said, friendship ends where money begins. I love it. I'm having a ball. Well, Mr. Matthias Meyer, you are a pathetic human being. A pathetic human being. That's not what it means to be a friend. What does it mean to have a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? Benjamin Franklin said, be slow in choosing a friend. Be even slower in changing a friend. A Russian proverb said, an old friend is worth two new ones. An anonymous writer said, when a friend dies, a part of you well, that's right, isn't it? Well, I've got a friend in another state, and I, he and I are so unlike, it's unbelievable. And, and people are always surprised that he's my friend, and he is. I got to lead him to Christ years ago, and we've been deep friends since. And I was teasingly telling some people one time, he is a good friend, and he's so good that if I were to say to him, I need you to give me $50,000 and don't ask me why and I can never pay you back. He would give it to me. Well, I was kind of joking. And one time I was having dinner with him and I said, I tell people this is a joke, but is it true? He said, yeah, of course it's true. But then he looked at me and he said, but Frank, would you do that for me? And I said in half a heartbeat, I would do that for you. What does it mean to have a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? Many of us have a lot of acquaintances, but I've mentioned before, one writer said rightly, if you have five people that you can count as true friends, you are wealthy, very wealthy. I will tell you that the greatest friend any of us should have is the Lord Jesus. And I'll confess that I've not always been a good friend to him. But he's been a great friend to me. In fact, I would say he's been a perfect friend to me. The text we're going to read about today tells us about our friendship with Christ. It's one of the great promises the scripture gives. This incomprehensible love that he has for us that he calls friendship. Now, how would you describe human friendship? Uh, oftentimes, like with the friend I was just referring to, because he and I are so dramatically different in almost every way, I would call it an inexplicable connection. An inexplicable 
inexplainable connection. Well, the Lord Jesus has that transcendent, inexplicable, transcendent, excuse me, I said that, connection with us. His, it's powerful, and I want us to study this promise because it is incomprehensible, this friendship with God. He makes us this promise in our passage for today, which is verses 12 through 17 of chapter 15. Look there with me this morning. John 15, verses 12 through 17. And I just want to tell you again, as I did last week, buckle your seatbelts, because the gospel of John is beyond powerful. It, there is a spiritual dialogue happening here as Jesus is teaching and training his disciples. And this is prior to, just prior to, his dying. And so the words he's sharing are words from a dying man to his closest friends. And that's us, not just the disciples. It's filled with spiritual poignancy and power. Look there at verse 12. This is my command. We'll come back to this. Can you command somebody to love someone? But he did. He said, this is my command. That you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this. That someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what the master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from the Father. You do not choose me. You did not choose me. Look at verse 16. But I chose you. I appointed you. The word is also ordained. I appointed or ordained you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should what? Remain. So that whatever you ask in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. First of all, I ask you the question, what is friendship with Jesus? What is friendship with Jesus? The Greek word that is used here literally means a friend at court. Now if you think of your movies or books or studies of medieval monarchs, they almost always would have a court, meaning uh, close advisors or friends who would stay close to them. These advisors were able to speak to the king or the queen and have the monarch's ear. They were able to give advice and counsel, but they also followed the direction and the directives of the monarch. The word that's used here describes our friendship with Christ as a friend at court. Someone that had the ear of the king, someone that spoke to the king, his or her heart, and one that did and obeyed what the king or queen would say. So here Jesus calls his disciples friends. Friends. Now, they're there to give advice to the king. They're there to listen to the king. They're there to share their heart with the king. They're there to obey the king. What a disappointment must have been. A disappointment it must have been for Jesus 
to know that even among his own closest disciples, there were many of them arguing about who would be the greatest. That was sad. But it happened. But as we see, our friendship with Christ involves love. I mean, what did he say over and over? I want you to love each other. How? As I loved you. That's a deep love. It involves love. It involves obedience. But it also involves knowledge. I mean, he says that I, I've told you everything that the Father's told me. Isn't it wonderful that God, the Creator, lets us into his inner circle? Isn't it precious? I read where Oswald Chambers, not in his book that you've read, but Oswald Chambers, in speaking to some friends, once said, you're as close to God as you want to be. He opens the door and allows friendship with him. But how close you are to him is dependent upon you, not him. Because he opens the door. And we have this precious privilege to, he's let us in on his inner circle. We're his friends and we ought to be near the throne, listening to his word, enjoying his intimacy and obeying his commands. And so we ask, what kind of friend are we to the Lord? Are we close? Are we enjoying his intimacy? Are we close to the throne of God? What kind of friend are you? Second, we see this friendship is a gift. Verse 16 gets into deep theology. Some like to argue about it. Because it goes from friendship into soteriology. Well, there's your good word. Soterios means salvation. The study of salvation. And people get into a fuss about uh, Calvinism and reform theology. And it is something with which I have some degree of familiarity because I, I have argued with a lot of people about this and studied it for a long, long time. But look at verse 16. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Oh, my friends, he chose you out of his grace. He chose them. The scripture is clear. I think it's very clear that if you are a part of the family of God, you are amongst the chosen ones. What does he say over in that great, great passage? It's not on the screen, but that great passage in Ephesians 1. He says it so many times. Verse 5, he protested us to be adopted through Jesus Christ. To who? To himself. And then verse 7, in him we have redemption. It goes on and on and on. In fact, in verse 11, in him we're made his inheritance. Verse 13, in him you also heard the gospel over and over. Eleven times in those few verses in Greek, not always in English, we see the phrase in Christ or in him. I've told you before, I believe, that God did not before the foundation of the earth Say, you're going, this child will go to heaven, this child will go to hell. I reject that totally. But I believe in him, in Christ, you become a part of the chosen people of God. In Christ, when you give your heart and life as a little boy or girl or a grown man or woman, you become a part of the chosen people. 
people. And he says, I chose you. I chose you that if you give your life to me, you will be saved. I believe Christ died for all. Look at the scripture. It will be on the screen. 1 Timothy 4.10. I think it's up there. Is it up there? 1 Timothy 4.10. It says this. That we have put our hope in the living God. I guess it's not up there. Who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Oh, what a powerful word it is. Through the Holy Ghost, He draws and encourages. And through the gift of the cross, He gives us that privilege to accept Him, to receive Him. What a gift it is. What a statement of His love for us. And he says in verse 13, don't you know that there's no greater love than a person would give his life for someone else? And he is just about on the verge, on the cusp of doing that for you and me on the cross. I'm going to die for you just like a friend would die for another friend. I am going to do it for you, for you all. And I'm going to take your sins upon my life. The disciples would soon learn how much he loved them as a friend. And I ask you today, do you understand it? Do you perceive it? Do you feel it in your bones that he loved you so much that he would die for you as one friend would die for another? Say yes to the friendship that Christ offers. Say yes to the relationship that he yearns to have with you. It is a gift. It's a gift. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And then, last, this friendship involves responsibility. Look at verse 16 and 17. Such a powerful word. We've already seen the word fruit. We saw it in last week's message, but we come back to it here. Because he ends that verse by saying, I chose you in order that you might do what? Sit, soak, and sour? No, but that's what a lot of Christians do. Say, I want to get saved, and then I'm going to stop growing. <laughs> I'm not sure you ever got saved if you've never grown. In fact, the Scripture says you haven't. But there's supposed to be something that comes out of our lives when we have been saved and when we are a friend with God. The word fruit is used here. He says, I have chosen you, I have ordained you, that you might do what? That you might bear fruit. That you might bear fruit. I appointed you so that you should go out and produce fruit. Means we're set apart by the Lord. Set apart for a purpose and for a reason. Now look at me. In a time of my life when I had been asked to run for an office in our denomination. I had been told by everybody that I would lose. And I believed it. I really did believe it. Uh, I told my daughters. By the way, my oldest daughter's birthday's today. I told happy birthday to Melissa. She would be 43 today. Yes, wow, Jake. Yes, I'm old enough to have a 43-year-old daughter. Thank you, Jake, for pointing that out. But you're right, son. But anyway, listen to me. Don't get off the track. So I told Melissa and I told Laura and I told Allison, don't worry, daddy's going to lose. Everybody knows I'm going to lose. And they did. The guy that nominated me for this position said, you know you're going to lose. I said, I know. But I, I feel like by running I can get some things discussed. I'm prepared to lose. And I was. 
problem was I was not prepared to win. So every guy that runs since then calls me and I say, you better be prepared to lose, but you better be prepared to win. So the morning of the election, everybody knows I'm going to lose, including me. I told my church, I'll be back next Sunday, nothing changed. I'm reading my daily Bible reading, which I do every day, same, same thing. I mean, I read the Bible through every year, have for a long time. And uh, I think Dale was still asleep in the bed in the hotel room. Yes, she was. And I'm reading, and I read, and this passage is the passage for that day. I didn't pick it out. It's in the yearly, you know, read through the Bible every year thing. So it's always there. So I come to this passage and the Lord just stopped me. And I kept focusing on that passage. It says, I want you to bear fruit that will what? Remain. I said, wait a minute, God, are you speaking to me about today? Yep. I said, wait a minute, God, what are you saying? That I'm going to win? And he spoke to my little heart and said, yes. I said, God, I'm not ready for that. Boy, you better get ready. Because I want you to bear fruit that will last for all eternity. Well, he spoke to me that day through his scripture. And yes, that day um, it happened. Changed our lives forevermore. But friends, everybody is called to be a friend of God to bear fruit. Maybe not in the way he called me to, but... In other, maybe even more significant ways, to be someone that changes the life of a little boy or a little girl or your sweet Nalton or whoever it might be. We're all called to bear fruit, to make a difference in this world. And it's not fruit that perishes. It's fruit that what? Remains. It's eternal. And so when you touch someone's life and lead them to Christ or encourage them in the way of the Lord, you are producing fruit that does what? It lasts forever. So it brings a responsibility. The king's friends knew that when we speak a word into the king's ear, it has a responsibility. And what joy it brings to the heart of God when we bring fruit to the table. But he connects it, look, look, in the latter part of verse 16, he connects this with prayer. And then he says, because as you bring fruit that remains, I want you to be able to ask, and he'll grant it. Some of you think, well, you can't bring forth fruit. You haven't asked for it, have you? Because he said, if you do, he'll grant it. Is there somebody you're trying to win to Christ? Somebody's life that you need to touch? Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Speak his or her name in prayer unto the Lord and see what God does. And then he closes this part of his message by reminding them in verse 17 the most important of questions. And he mentions it not once but twice. He's mentioned it before. That his command is for them to love one another. Again, how is it possible for Jesus to command love? I mean, that doesn't sound real touchy-feely, does it? I command you to love. Because love is not just a feeling. Certainly emotions are involved. But love is an action. Love is an action. He says, 
you better get to being loving to people. Because that's the way people are going to know that I've made a difference in your life, is the way you love one another. It's an act of the will. It's not just an act of emotion. Laying down our lives. It's treating others the way Christ treats us. Well, this chapter began in the vineyard and now it's ended up in the throne room of prayer. If we abide in Him, we talked about that last week, if we stay close to the throne as a friend of the court, we can do anything that He commands us to do. What a privilege. What a responsibility. How is your friendship with Jesus? What does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to have a friend? What does it mean to be his friend? Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this powerful word. What a text, Lord, that just speaks to us in so many ways. God, we confess that we've not always been the friend that we ought to be to other people. Lord, our friendships have not contained the depth the action, the prayer that they ought to contain. And for that we ask forgiveness. But Lord, mostly we ask forgiveness for not being the friend to you that we could have been and should have been. So I pray, Lord, in this time of invitation that we might recommit our hearts to you, that we would be your friend totally, without reservation, close to your throne, talking to you and letting you talk to us and show us the fruit that we need to bring to the table. So we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.